Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Church, listen. It's important to look at this section of Revelation comprehensively. It's so important. You go, why? Well, many Christians don't understand where and how they will spend eternity. You see, so many times we'll come up to people and go, hey, God gives us eternal life. Do you want to live with him forever? And they have no clue. They just know the opposite is hell. And so they're like, I don't want to go to hell. That's how I got saved at 17. I was scared of hell. And that was it. It was like, hey, do you want to go to hell? I don't Give your life to Jesus. Okay, but but I didn't understand exactly what a life given to Jesus meant. You see, at 17, if I'm being honest and transparent, I made Jesus Savior, but I never didn't know how to make him Lord. I didn't give him all of my heart. I didn't give him all of the... And, and it took me a while and a process and a lot of discouragement and disappointment. And finally, I came to realize that he has to be both Lord and Savior, And then I have to go, okay, now where am I going to spend eternity? Well, again, they don't understand. A lot of people don't understand where or how they'll spend eternity. And ever since man sinned, think about this, evil has spread from generation to generation. Right now, in our world, guys, you can honestly say, I can honestly say, evil is rewarded while good is punished. In our world today, it was Isaiah who said, Woe to you who call evil good and good evil, who call what light dark and dark light. And that's exactly what's going on in our world today. Those who hold to a moral absolute are seen as naive, wrong, and evil. But one day, Christ is going to take over and good will be restored. As we look at chapter 20, we find our wonderful God will put a stop to the evil that exists today. Listen, most skeptics have a problem with God because, really, of the evil they see. You tracking with me? They wonder why, if God exists, how he allows evil to go on. And if I'm being honest, there are times when I, not that I doubt God, but that I question, God, could we get a win here? Could we get a win? Uh, I see evil rampant. Could we get a win? And then I don't see a win, so I have to step back and go, I trust the sovereignty of God. I trust the sovereignty of God. God, could we get a win? Could we get a, okay, okay, all right. You see, the classic argument, guys, from people is, is formed this way. If God is all-powerful, he could destroy evil. Evil is not destroyed, therefore, there is no God. We've had that same argument from people all the time. Well, if there's God, if there's a good God, if he's loving, then why is there evil in the world? Chapter 20. Today, guys, we'll answer that argument. Our God is going to deal with evil once and for all. Now, 
If you're taking note, chapter 20 divides into four sections. You want to jot this down. Pastor, why do I have to jot this down? Well, because here's the thing. When you're raptured, when you're gone, when you're in heaven, somebody's going to be looking and need to understand what's going to happen. When it's going to happen. Those are your notes. You go, okay, what is it? Well, in verses 1 to 3, we're going to get an account of Satan being bound for a thousand years. It's called the millennial, during the millennial reign. He's going to be bound for a thousand years. Can I get an amen? Verses 4 to 6, we're given some insight into this millennial reign of Christ. Okay, this thousand years. You go, what do you mean? Well, we're going to discuss our role and the characteristics of that time. A thousand years. And then in verses 7 to 10, the third section we see, check this out. Satan is released for a short time and then he deceives some. We'll discuss and give you a few reasons why we think that he's actually released. Because if it was me and I was God's right-hand man, Melanie, I would say, don't release him. Keep him there. He's tortured. He's enough. Enough. But God knows better for me, and I'm not his right-hand man. Yeah, I heard an amen there. Amen. Was that you, Joe? Okay. Joe, maybe you're, 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 there you are. And then in verses 11 through 15, we're given an account, guys, now write this down, of the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. Not the Bema seat, but this is the great white throne. And we're going to discuss tonight who is being judged and why. Very, very important. So look at with me, verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 3. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about it. Look, then I saw an angel coming from heaven, having the key to a bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold that dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till 1000 years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. So what's going on right here? Right off the bat, guys, you've got to remember where we came from. The Battle of Armageddon happened, right? We hear the boom, ding, done, over, right? The Lord is setting up his millennial reign. The first thing we see in chapter 20 is we see that, that the Antichrist and the prophet have become, if you remember, the first inhabitants of the lake of fire. They're going to go in there. We're going to look at this a little bit later. But we need to keep that mind that mindset as we go through our study. So what do we see? Well, the first thing John writes is he says, I saw an angel. Look at your Bibles real quick. Notice that it's not capitalized. Okay? It's just an angel. And I love that. I love how God, that's classic God. Why? Because all our lives we've been, oh, the devil, oh, and I know there's spiritual battles. I get it. And just like we talked about on Sunday, how there is demon oppression and, and there's, there's demonic activity and there is a demonic realm, we know that Satan, we know that demons can't possess Christians. But they can harass us a little bit. They can try to trip us up. We see that. But I see here, guys, notice the first thing. We're told that an angel, not even an archangel, just an angel, guys, he's coming with a key in one hand 
and a chain in the other. And I don't know, that makes me smile. Why? I wonder which angel it is. He's just going, he, it's probably the guy going, man, I'm just happy to be here. Dude, you got an assignment. Yes, sir. You're going to go bound Satan. I'm going to do what? That's what I love about God. And this angel, he lays a hold of the dragon guys. And with one hand, what does he do? He casts them into the bottomless pit where he's going to be locked up, notice, for a millennium, a thousand years. Locked up and shut up and sealed where there are no more accusations, no more temptations, and no more deceptions for a thousand years. Brothers and sisters, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and dark places. So we understand that, but I know where that comes from. I know where that stems from. It stems from Satan himself. The trials and the tribulations and the temptations and all the things that you go through are stemmed from the enemy. And what a great and glorious day when this little angel comes down and he bounds Satan for a thousand years. Notice, six of the first seven verses mention a thousand years. Now, this phrase, a thousand years, is the basis for the word millennium. It's the, listen, the actual word millennium is not even found in the Bible. You go, well, what's the point? Well, let me give you this case in point. We know that a thousand years, and we know that there's going to be a millennial reign, but it's not found in the Bible. And you go, what's your point? Well, Bible's not found in the Bible. And let me just say this to you. The word rapture is not found in the Bible. But we know it's going to be there. As a matter of fact, today, I put a, a, a picture on my Facebook of a guy just to close, like he was doing some work on his laptop, and it said, Jesus is coming soon. And it was alluding, Rosa, to the rapture, okay? To which I know I have a friend who said, well, and he doesn't believe in the rapture. Because rapture is not found in the Bible. But the word harpazo is found in the Bible, which is in Latin, rapturus, and then where we get our English word, rapture. We have to... As believers, study our Bible. We have to dig deep. We have to look at the language. We have to see how the Hebrew or the Aramaic or the Greek language touch the heart. We have to dig deep, guys. We cannot just go, oh, okay, if you were to read Revelation from, from chapter 1 to chapter 22 and not have any insight, it would really freak you out. As a matter of fact, they told us as a kid not to read the, Re the book of Revelation. Matter of fact, they told us not to read the Bible at all. If you read the Bible, you'd go crazy. Well, I don't need the Bible to go crazy. I'm already crazy. But nonetheless, here's the thing. We need to know, we have to have some insight, don't we? We have to have some insight because Paul tells us, in Thessalonians, there's going to be a harpazo, a snatching up. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain, let's go. I'm out of here. You guys with me? Okay, one person. 
You guys with me? All right. So we're going to go. We're going to go. So why do I share what I share? Well, the reason why is because one interpretation of Revelation, if you don't really understand it and, and use the laws of hermeneutics and, and really get into all of this, it's a pivotal point if you don't understand it in interpreting prophecy. You go, wait, 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 wait. How's that? Yeah, yeah listen. Not everyone has the same views on the millennium, heaven, and the eternal state. You go, whoa, well, like what? Well, let me give you some major views on the millennium. Remember, the millennium is what? The thousand years he just talked about. You guys understand, right? This angel, yes, sir, he's going to go down. He's going to take Satan. He's going to lock him for a thousand years. We're going to find out that Christ is reigning on earth in Jerusalem for a thousand years. That's the millennium. But people have different views. You go, what's that? Well, jot this down if you're taking note. The first view is called a premillennial, premillennial. And this premillennial is the literal interpretation of this passage. It's premillennial. Well, what does it hold? Well, it holds that Jesus will physically and visibly come to the earth in the second coming before the millennium when and when he comes, he's going to set up his kingdom for a thousand years and binding Satan for those thousand years. That's a premillennial view. If you go, Ben, I agree, then you're a premillennialist. You go, I agree. I agree. I'm excited. I cannot wait for the Lord to reign from Jerusalem. Mary, what are we going to be doing? All I know is we have a glorified body, so maybe we'll be able to travel at the speed of thought. We won't have to wait in line and punch our ticket and get on an aircraft and fly 14 miles to see Jesus. We could go, wait a minute, Jesus wants me. I'm back. Jesus could walk through walls. I wonder if we'll be able to walk through walls. We'll get Mike to try it first. Mike, you try it first. He likes it. He can do it. No, anyway. That's pre-millennial. Why do you believe that? Well, remember, remember, guys, that God promised the Jews a nation that he would rule and reign from. Things in the world are going to continue to get worse during the tribulation. Then Jesus will return and end up and set up his kingdom. You guys got that. What's that called? A pre-millennial. Pre-millennial. Well, some other folks have number two. It's called a post-millennial. A post-millennial. And this view holds to that because the church, listen to this, will bring in the kingdom and give it to Jesus. He will return at the end of the kingdom age. You go, Ben, I'm not sure what you means. It means that all of you and me have to be good little boys and girls to usher and, and, and spread the gospel to get the kingdom of Jesus here on earth. And then when we're all ready, we give it to him. Thought, that's strange. You'll hear the doctrine called kingdom now. And they're wanting us to, again, it's called a post-millennial. That's the doctrine. Kingdom now. We need to be better. Then the third view, guys, is an amillennial. Amillennial. 
And this is the view that millennium will never occur. It's actually figurative. I said, what? Yeah, the kingdom of the church of Jesus Christ ruling now, the kingdom began when Jesus died on the cross, is what they say. If this view were correct, you go, yes, Ben, then why would God spend so much time writing the book of Revelation to tell us that this isn't really going to happen? It doesn't make sense. Well, it's just figurative. But then God says, no, look, look at every, every word. And then the last view, guys, is just literally a literal view. It means the best approach to this prophecy is in a literal way. Again, what does the Bible say? In verse 1, it says that Satan is going to be incarcerated. Okay? He's going to be put in the abyss. The abyss is a temporary place of, of um, incarceration, and this is where he's going to be put for a thousand years. Now, the Bible says it's a bottomless pit, so my assumption is is he's going to continue to fall for a thousand years. But what I do know is this. In the first three verses, we see that Satan's bound. Can I get an amen? We see Satan is humbled and that he's incarcerated. That's what we see. Okay? Let's read it again and let's just take a look. The angel comes down with a great chain, and I love it. And he says, man, listen, he laid hold of of the dragon and that serpent of old, the devil, and he bounds them for a thousand years, and he casts them into the bottomless pit, and he shuts up, sets the seal. Why? So that he does not deceive the nations no more until a thousand years were finished. He says, now, I wish it stopped there. But John says, but after these things, he must be released for a little while. We'll find out in just a minute. Now, just before we move on really quick, who is deceiving the nations right now? Satan, yeah. And if you ever look at the news or ever see what's going on in the world and you just shake your head because you feel like our leaders and certain people are blind to what's going on or not even leadership, friends, colleagues, how could you not? Because Satan has done a good job at deceiving the nations. He's done a good job, but when they bought, when he put, he's not going to be able to do that anymore. What does that lead you to believe? Okay, make a little check mark that there's still going to be nations even after the tribulation. Come on, somebody. Okay, so again, even though God's judgment is poured out in seven years, there'll still be a world, and there'll still be people, and there'll still be nations. He's not going to deceive them anymore. What are we going to be doing? Well, look at verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, the judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast of this image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who is part of the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they shall be what? Priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand 
years. You want to know what you're going to be doing for a thousand years? The Bible just gave you some insight. You go, what's that? We're going to be living and reigning with Christ for a thousand years. Everyone in heaven, including, guys, jot this down, the tribulation saints are going to be there. What does that tell you? Right off the bat, my heart skips a beat. Why? Because it reminds me really, really of something sad. You go, what's so sad? Is that we all have friends and we have neighbors and we have loved ones and we have mommies and daddies and brothers and sisters and cousins and uncles and family that don't believe in Jesus. They've never committed their life to him. And what that tells me right now is they're going to be left behind. Come on, church. I don't want anybody to be left behind. I want this whole thing to be over and God to do what he's going to do, but I want everyone. But unfortunately, there are some that are going to have to go through the tribulation, and it says that they were what? Did you catch it? They were beheaded for their faith. Now, let me do this, okay? If you're watching online and the rapture has occurred, please do not take the mark. Taking the mark is pledging allegiance to Satan and your soul will be condemned to hell forever. You need to give your life to Jesus, but that's going to cost you your head. Understand that. Okay, let's, let's come back here. How much better to give our lives to the Lord today? The Bible says that, that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess. That day is coming, but I want to do it right now. Guys, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And I've got a whole host of people waiting for me in heaven, but I love Jesus. And I know that things on earth are really tough right now, and, and, and you and I go home every night and we shake our heads, can't believe the world we live in. We cannot believe the world we live in. It's not going to go back to normal. It's never going to change the way it was. And, but we need to love Jesus. That's all we got to do. We don't need to be fake or phony. We just got to love Jesus. Just love Jesus. I can't wait. Well, what are we going to be doing? Well, we're going to be ruling. See, the thrones in our text indicates that there's going to group of ruling, reigning, and judging with Christ for a thousand years. Now, there are many different opinions of who this group is. The best way to find out is to see what Scripture says who's going to rule and reign. Okay? Who did God promise to rule and reign with him? Well, according to Daniel, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that the saints are included in this group. Okay? So now we have Old Testament saints. They're going to be ruling and reigning. What does that mean? I don't know where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are. I don't know where Moses is. I don't know. But all of them are going to be ruling. That's what Daniel says. The Bible says that in Matthew 19, 28, Jesus promised the 12 apostles would reign with him. So we know the 12 apostles are going to be there. Probably not Judas. I'm just saying, probably not. Nowhere in Scripture has it indicated that he repented. Now, he did commit suicide based on being remorseful and being sorry, but I would pray that he repented. Can I get an amen on that? Maybe in his heart of hearts. 
I don't know. The New Testament says, guys, that the saints are going to judge the world, 1 Corinthians, 2 Timothy, 1 Peter. So that's us. We're going to be judging. We're going to be, I don't know what that means. Maybe it means like Miss Yvonne's going to be the mayor over some city and rule and reign in Christ. I don't know how that, but I know we're going to be ruling with Christ. I don't know if if that means Joe is going to be in charge of all the golf courses around the world and has to make sure that they're good. I don't know what that means. But I know we're going to be ruling and reigning. I know we're going to be ruling and reigning. And the tribulation saints, guys, are going to rule with Christ at this time. In other words, all the resurrected saints will rule and reign with Christ. So here's the question. Who, ruling and reigning over who? Guys, this is going to be a shock to you. But there will be survivors of the tribulation. There will. Don't ask me how, when food is hard to come by. And there's a famine in the land. Don't ask me how when you cannot eat without taking the mark. But there are going to be survivors. Guys, one-third of the inhabitants of Jerusalem who were spared all of those who didn't take the mark of the beast. So there's going to be people that say no. No, not going to take it. We're not going to take it. As a matter of fact, we get a little glimpse of that today, although it's not the mark we see that whenever anyone issues a mandate, people will stand up and say, no, not going to do it. Who are we going to be ruling over? That's a good question. Many people. Many people. Listen, at the end of the tribulation, there are going to be people who go into the kingdom age Check this out, with their earthly bodies, okay? So for them, it's going to be the craziest, hellish years of their lives. But what if, what if they just, they they happen to make it through? They're going to be just as human as you and I. Although you and I at that point won't be human, we'll have our glorified bodies, but we'll be as human as you and I are today, with the same thoughts that you think, the same attitudes you have while you're waiting in line at the grocery store and this person's taking too long and you've got to be somewhere. and <laughs> Right? Same attitudes we have when we're waiting for our table and, and they don't have any servers and we're hungry. And we're not even hungry anymore. We're hangry. Okay? We're starting to get angry. And you're ready to walk over to somebody's table and just take some bread off their... That's how hungry you are. That's who we're going to be. There's going to be people. That blows my mind. That blows my mind. Let this sink in, okay? Let me let this trip you out for just a moment. What if you've been witnessing to somebody? Absolutely not. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. You've been witnessing, been witnessing. And all of a sudden, we're raptured seven years later, and now you're ruling and reigning over the same guy you were witnessing to. He actually made it. That trips me out. Hey, I should have. Well, you didn't, so that's weird, wouldn't it be? 
Notice verse 5. But the rest of the dead did not live again until a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Guys, everyone who ever died is in Hades. Everybody got that? Now, remember, Hades has two compartments. One was Abraham's bosom, okay? And the other is torment. You guys get that? Now, when Jesus died, he went to Abraham's bosom and he said, Hey, fellas, let's go. And everyone in Abraham's bosom went to heaven with Jesus. But on this side of Hades, this is torment. They didn't go anywhere. They're still there right now. This is when we say in our day and age that if somebody dies and they went to hell, that's where we say they go. They go to Hades. Not the lake of fire, that's coming, but they're, they're still waiting. They're waiting. Let's use Judas as an example. Let's say Judas didn't repent. Now, I don't understand how you can be with Jesus for three years, walking, ministering, seeing the miracles, and not believe. Would you agree? And maybe you may, maybe he just made a silly, silly, dumb choice with the priests, and he felt so bad about it that he could not go on, but he believed. I'm not saying. But what if he didn't believe? You guys with me? He just didn't believe. He was like, it was a scam, it was a con. He's like, meh, I don't know. Then he's in Hades right now, waiting. Do you guys remember, you know who else is in Hades? The rich man. The rich man. And he's looking over, and he used to be able to talk to Father, Father Abraham! Father Abraham's not there anymore. It's cleaned up. You guys with me? Yeah, you, okay. In verse 6, it says, blessed, is, blessed and holy is he who's, who has the first resurrection, part in the first resurrection, over such the second death has no power, but they shall be what? Notice, priests of God and of Christ and shall reign a thousand years. Guys, think about that. Here's what we need to understand about the first resurrection. When the Bible speaks of the first resurrection, it's not talking about an event in time. But the first resurrection started when Jesus rose from the dead. Now, remember, he's referred to the firstborn over the dead, the firstfruits of all who died, first to be raised, never to die again. He is the first in order, the first in prominence, but it continues on now for believers, you and I. That's what it means. And it continues all the way through the rapture. This is the first resurrection after Jesus. This is what I love. What I love is that although we, and come on, although it wrenches our heart when somebody we love dies, but if they're believers, there's the hope where we'll see them again. That's the first resurrection. Okay? As we get older, our time is shorter. We understand that. There's something that happens that as we get 50s and 60s and 70s and even 80s, there's something that happens where we understand we've got to start putting things in order because it's not much time left on earth. And what happens is the people that love you, it wrenches their heart because we miss you. But our hope is that 
just what Paul said. We're going to hear a trumpet one day, and the dead is going to rise first, and we're going to lie. Brother Joe, hey, and we're going to just, we're going to have a great reunion. Many of you have had, had saints, believers, go before you. They're there now. And your heart cries, I wish they were here. But if you're a true believer, you go, as much as I want them here, there, I want to be there. As my, I, you don't understand. I couldn't wish him back here. I couldn't wish him back here. I think of all our loved ones. I think, I think of people who died prior to 2020 when, when the pandemic hit. They have no clue what the last two years have been like. And they have no clue what the next two years are going to be like. And I know many, many, many daughters and granddaughters and grandsons go, I wish Papa was, was back with us, but really we don't. We're ready to go with him. That's the first resurrection. I love the fact that, that guys, that we're going to change. The mortal is going to put on immortality. And it continues through the millennium where those were martyred for their faith in Jesus. All the scenarios, the first resurrection beginning with Christ. So all those who come back with the Lord, everyone who takes part in the first resurrection is going to be ruling and reigning with Christ in his kingdom for a thousand years. Then what does that look like? I don't know. I don't know. But I know that the Bible said, blessed and holy is he. And that's where I want to be. Well, Ben, listen, you were a pastor on earth and you got... You received great things and people blessed you. So your job for a thousand years is to make sure that the restrooms are clean. Amen. Amen. Wouldn't it be better to be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to be cast out for eternity? Mm -hmm. So what are we doing? We're given given the responsibility of the millennial kingdom based upon, now ready, our faithfulness to the Lord in this life. That's our reward. That's our reward. How faithful were you to the Lord? You see, a lot of people go, well, I, I, it's about going to church. It's not about going to church. Well, I sometimes go to church. Or I do. It's about faithfulness. It's faithfulness in the Christian walk all the time. It's faithfulness in growing in the Word of God. It's faithfulness in serving it's, it's honoring Jesus far above our lives. That's what's going to determine where you're going to serve. Think about it. Think about it. Everything that we've done here for the Lord with the right motives are going to be reward, rewarded for. Paul likened it to silver and gold and precious stones that stand the fire. That's going to be cool. But on the flip side, think about everything we've ever done for the Lord that was with wrong motives, selfish motives. 
Paul likens that to wood, hay, and stubble to be burned up in the fire. Lord, I did this great work for you. I did this great work. I was just, I was serving at Calvary. This is a... Yeah, but see, your heart it was the wrong... You're still in. No, no, no. I, I'd rather just serve the Lord, guys, with the right motives. God, whatever you want me to do. Whatever you want me to do. So the Bible says in chapter 20, we're ruling and reigning with Christ. Can I get an amen? But the Bible also indicates according to, check this out, Revelation 2, 12, 19, and Psalm 2, it says that he's going to rule with a rod of iron. You understand that. You go, why? Now, you have flesh in there. You have humans that have come through the tribulation. He's going to rule with what they call an enforced righteousness. That's what it's going to be. So our job is going to enforce God's righteous. Now, the question is going to be necessary, right? Or question why this is going to be necessary in a perfect environment. Why? Satan's gone, right? His demons are gone. And so all it is is flesh, but we have Christ reigning in Jerusalem. This is a perfect environment. This is the best environment. Are you kidding me? The answer is everyone who's left on the earth and everyone who is born in the millennium is still going to have their sin natures. You go, yeah, yeah, that's true. Not us, we'll have the glorified bodies, but the people, all the people here when Christ returns, that second coming, they're still going to have the sin natures. Now keep this in mind. Although the environment is perfect, the people are not. You're like, okay. So we need to understand that the fact that Satan is bound makes it a lot easier, but people are still going to struggle with their thought life, with their flesh. You go, yeah, that makes sense. Think about this. Put on your thinking caps, guys. We need to, we're going to, um, there's going to be a thousand years of perfect conditions, perfect peace and blessing, compiled with this in this enforced righteousness. I'm not sure how God's going to do that. But then something amazing happens in, in verse 7. Look. Now, this is gone. Thousand years. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison, and he will go out to deceive the nations which are on the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. Those who number the sand of the sea... They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, and the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented, notice, day and night forever. So what did he just say? Listen, after the thousand years is up, the Lord is going to release Satan. And the first thing he does is go about doing his business. Deceiving the nations. Guys, the first thing he's leaving, he's deceived the same people who are living in the millennial. He's going to somehow turn, not us, we work for God. But he's going to turn those. And he's going to deceive them into turning against the Lord and to following after him. Do you remember what Jesus told us in Matthew 24? What's the first thing he said? The very first thing he told the disciples is don't be deceived. 
hey, Lord, when's the world going to end? When's all this going to end? Don't be deceived. That has been our biggest foe, and yet we don't even understand. We're looking for earthquakes, which are coming. We're looking for all of these things that are happening. Oh, well, that Lord is going But he says, don't be deceived. That's, that's Satan's M.O. He wants to deceive us. He wants to deceive the church from even proper doctrine. Oh, come on. We gotta have a, we gotta have a, a hopping church, a rocking church, a, a hippity hopper. Uh, come on. That's just, we gotta have this kind of worship. And it's like, no, we need to worship God the way the Bible tells us to worship. Yeah, but see, Pastor Ben, your your pre your preaching is not motivational. But but I just got to teach the Bible. I I. I... Well, you're not going to have. Okay. But I can stand before God, and when He says, "Ben, those 18 years you spent in Lubbock, what did you do?" I said, "Lord, I faithfully taught the Word of God as best I could. I faithfully taught." So Satan, Satan is deceiving and turning those. So I guess I have a question. Why would the Lord allow this to happen? And I've asked that very question. I'm, I told you at the beginning, why, Lord, why would you <laughs> just leave him in there? Well, let me give you three reasons why, okay? Three reasons why. This is just, this is, this is what I think, okay? Why would the Lord let him out? Ready? Number one, to prove once and for all that man's basic problem is not that of environment, but the problem is of a sinful nature. Okay? That could be one. The line of reasoning today is that man is a product of his environment. Don't we have that going on today? Change the environment, and then man could live a good life. Well, man will never create a more perfect environment upon the earth than when Jesus is ruling upon it. And we'll have no more ghettos, no more gangs, no more poverty, no more drugs. And yet, after a thousand years in that environment, man still has the capacity to rebel against God. It's in our nature. Come on. Come on, somebody. Whenever the sign says, don't step on the grass... What's the first thing you want to do? Step on... Why? I don't know. Because that man put a sign and said, don't step on the grass. Well, let's see if he's not looking. That's what we want to do. No fishing here. I didn't even think about it until you said no fishing. Now I just want to fish. What are you hiding from me? There's something there. Oh, you're hiding something. Right? That's our in our nature. How many of you know that octagon thing that's at the end of the road that says what? Stop? How many of you blow through that sometimes? Well, it just means slow down. That's our nature, isn't it? Our nature is to rebel. Number two, I think that maybe it's to prove an incurable wickedness of Satan. Okay, a thousand years of confinement in the bottomless pit, have not changed him one bit. Okay? So think about this. Well, maybe he's, maybe he'll feel sad. No. No. 
many years ago, I had one person come up to me and said that we should pray for Satan so that he could repent. After a thousand years, he's still not going to repent, is he? Or maybe the third is to illustrate the truth that runs throughout the Scripture. What's that? That man, the Lord gives every man an opportunity of choice to serve him or not. It's a free will. See, love requires a choice. Forced love is not love at all. Forced love is actually rape. God would not be guilty of raping humanity, nor did he want robots as followers. Therefore, he has given to man a free will to choose to follow him or reject him. That's the way it's been at the beginning, and that's the way it's going to be at the end. Even then, he's going to say, do you still have a free will to choose? You see, after a thousand years, it's not over. But it goes on. It goes on. Notice the revolt, verse 8 and 9 real quick. And he'll go out, okay, and he's going to, man, he's going to gather, notice, people. He's going to gather them to battle. He's going to convince these people to battle. And that's going to be so much and so many. And then basically it's another ding, done. Fire comes down from heaven and devours them. Look at verse 11. He says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was no, found, there was no place found for them. And I saw, what does he see, guys? The dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, by the things that were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. And death and Hades, notice, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Wow, that's very sobering, is it not? Think about it. The great white throne judgment is where the Lord is going to judge everyone who has ever lived, who didn't put their faith in him. Those who have died through the ages are going to be raised to stand before the Lord. Could you imagine? Could you imagine for just half a second, those who have been in Hades for a long time, they're going to be raised. They're going to get a chance to stand and plead their case before Almighty God. I wonder how many of them are just going to be saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please forgive me, please forgive me, and yet it's too late. It's too late. I wonder how many there are super angry and, 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 and just raging at God for putting them in there, although God never put them in there. They made a choice. I wonder, just for half a second, our goal is for our name to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we don't want to see the great white throne judgment. That's the judgment, because he says, they're going to be judged, and the books are going to be opened, and they're going to say, okay, let me see. And death and Hades are going to be cast into the lake of fire. 
sounds like some crazy movie that, that we rented on, on, on the platforms of TV rentals. I don't know. I can't mention names, but you know what I'm saying. Wow. Wow. Lord. Lord, are you, are you serious? See, those who die in the Lord go to heaven. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, prior to Christ's resurrection, those went to, you guys know, those went to uh, Abraham's bosom, paradise. Okay? But those who died rejecting the Lord, man, they're going to go. So this is the time, guys, where many people are going to be brought to be stand before the Lord at the great white throne judgment. If you're taking note, this is called the second death. The second death. Okay? First death is physical. There is a finality to this life. Never to live again. This is it. There's no reincarnation. The Bible tells us it's appointed for man to die once and then to stand judgment. So the second death, here's what we're learning, is that the person is going to stand before the Lord in judgment, condemned forever to be separated from God. Their choice to not want God in their lives, their choice not to follow him is going to be honored as they're forever banished. You see, people in this world think it's a game. Ah, oh, you guys, you Christians, give me my stuff. Let me just. And, and, and in reality, it's not a game. Here's what we're told is going to happen, guys. We're told that in verse 12 that the books are going to be open. What books? We can only guess. The books of all our faithfulness, judged according to our works. Perhaps another book is going, is going to bear the record of everything we've ever said or done. Ecclesiastes 12 and 14 says, God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether bad or good. I need to fall on the Lord's mercy right now. And it's like, wow, Lord. Every idle word we're going to give an account for. Every idle word. Maybe, you know what? be a record of every time you heard the gospel message, every time that you had an opportunity to receive Christ and rejected him. Because there will be no doubt those who will say, I didn't know. Wouldn't you agree? They'll say, I didn't know. I didn't know. I never knew that Jesus, I didn't. I'm sorry. And Gabriel said, roll him. Gabriel, can you imagine your life being on screen and said, look, this is the time. I'm going to use Miss Rosa. This is the time Miss Rosa told you about Jesus. Yeah, but, okay, this is the time where the guy at the grocery store was asking you, inviting you to drink. This is the time. He's just like, wow. Guys, the people here at the Great White Throne can't plead ignorance. It's all written down. 
This is why the cross is so important. This is why the cross is so important. Why? Because when the enemy comes in and goes, hey, Mike, you're messed up. Mike goes, I know. That's why Jesus died. That's why I can sleep, because I know. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. Jesus is my Savior. My full faith and trust is put in him. Yeah, but what about, it doesn't matter what I, everything is going on him. So when, when, the, when, when the God of heaven sees me, he, I want him to see Jesus. That's it. That's it. Complete ignorance. I agree. I agree. I want to close our study tonight with verse 15, and it says, And anyone, anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Guys, the nail-scarred hands of Jesus will scan the list of names in that book. If your name is not written in the book, Jesus will sadly and reluctantly and firmly say, depart from me. I never knew you. Never knew you. And he says that those folks are going to be cast into the lake of fire. And there will be those, the Bible says, who are going to say in that day, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that in your name? Didn't we serve you? Didn't we cast out demons? Lord, I thought we did ministry. Didn't we go to church? Didn't we give offerings? Lord, we gave money. And the Lord's going to go, listen, you're not in the book. I believe everybody who's ever born was written in the book, and somehow through their lives in unbelief, they've just been erased. I mean, the moment you're born, it's like, oh, there it is. And then as you grow up, it's like, do you believe in Jesus? Nope. But then when we're born again, write our name I just want to make sure my name's there I just want to Lord is my name written is my name written guys we've just studied four important sections of scripture and really kind of like changing the channels pretty quick right it was like boom we went from Satan bound to the completion of the first resurrection of the kingdom age to the final judgment in the holy city to the fourth resurrection which was the, or I'm sorry, to the second resurrection, which is the great white Rome judgment. Here's the bottom line. You ready? And then we'll close in worship. Where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? I'll tell you why. Because I really believe that I think we can fool people here on earth. I don't know if we're going to get to heaven and go, hey, where's so-and-so? Well, no, they, they're not here. Or are we going to get to heaven and go, hey, what are you doing here? I thought you were like an atheist. I thought you were like a... No, you really believed? Huh. Huh. Okay. Just make sure your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love. and Lord, we know that, wow, God, that you spoke to us. And Lord, I pray that we're all, all our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that we've given our life to you. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe, maybe you're watching online or maybe you're listening through this through a podcast or you're actually driving down the road and it's on the radio.
and you've never given your life to Jesus, well, I would say today is the day. Would you pull over right now? Would you just stop what you're doing? If you're here, would you just say yes to Jesus? Would you, would you agree with me and confess and believe that you're a sinner and that you need Jesus? And say, I need Jesus. Forgive me of my sin, Lord. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you resurrection. I believe you're coming back. But I need help in this life, Lord. I can't do it alone. So I'm asking you to come in and fill that spot. Take, take up your rightful residence in my heart and be my Lord and be my God and be my Savior and be my friend, Lord. Walk with me because I choose to follow you forever. That's the plan. And I'll do it in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, you believe it with all your heart. Welcome to the family of God. It's going to be glorious. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.